and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. with a couple of thoughts on uh, what to entitle tonight um, and I came up with some good thoughts um, as always Jamie and uh, one of the thoughts was um, um, along the lines of um, he has a uh, coming and receive a prophecy so that that stands true you, you'll all get a prophecy this evening the other one is is really and, and this is the one that I'm going with is how to stop fear okay so how to stop fear um, but I remember hearing this, a couple of different ministers saying this over the years, and that is that before we edify you, we've got to terrify you. Amen? I don't agree with that, but amen? <laughs> so so let's, uh, let's give you that prophecy quickly. John chapter 16, verse 33 says, These things have I spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So if you're focusing in just on the, the tribulation part or the trouble part, then you could, it could result in fear in your life. Um, but that is a prophecy. You can, you can stick it up on your fridge if you like. Because Jesus is speaking and He's saying you're going to have trouble in this world. And I know that no one's exempt from that in this room and we've all got our fair share of trouble. Um, but Jesus here is telling us how to respond to difficulties in life. So this is actually really important for us to take note of. Number one, he's telling us how to uh, 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 respond to difficulties. But he's also telling us why. Okay? So, yeah, uh, um, he, he's saying, how do you respond to difficulties? With good cheer. How do you respond to difficulties? Good cheer. Happy. <laughs> James says the same thing. You know, uh, consider it pure joy when you, find, uh, when you face trials of many kinds. So this is kind of showing us that um, the Christian responds to challenges and difficulties different than the world does, the unbeliever. How do we respond to challenges? With good cheer. But Jesus doesn't just say, be happy when things are rough. He tells us why we can be happy when things are tough. Okay, and the big why is because he's overcome the world. Okay, now why is that important for us? It's because we're in him. We're one with Christ. So if He's overcome the world, then we identify with Him. This is the only form of social identification that's really well, a, a, a good. Okay? <laughs> As Christians, we identify with Christ. His death, His burial, and His resurrection. If you want to identify as anything, that's what we identify as. Amen? <laughs> we identify as I've died with Christ, I've been buried with Christ, and I've been raised with Christ. And because of that, now I've overcome the world. So we've got to say, Jesus, you know, in a, in a challenging situation, you can say, Jesus, you've overcome the world and I'm in you and say, thank you for victory in this situation or however you do it. But when you're faced with a problem, you've got to kind of realize that we, we do things differently. We face things differently. And it's got to do with our perspective. It's got to do with our, what we're focused on, in on. Okay. So, you know, usually when we have tribulations, troubles, 
um, problems in our lives, one of the, 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 the common um, results in, in people's lives is lack of peace, right? That's why it's cool that Jesus says, uh, uh, I've spoken, these things have I spoken to you that in me you may have peace. And so now he's saying, hey, you know, I want you to have peace. Okay, but in troubles, what do we usually not have? Peace. Okay, so this is showing us something that a Christian should experience even in times of unrest. Okay, and that is peace. Some of you will think this is a shocking situation that I'm about to tell you. But I was chatting to, there's a couple people, I don't respond to everybody on social media, um, but um, sometimes I do. Yeah, uh, meaning you get these, hello, how are you, kind of messages, or you get these, um, you know, are you a Christian, all these kind of different messages from people all over the place, usually in one of two areas, uh, uh, and uh, a bunch of them that I receive are from kind of like India, Pakistan, and those areas, and I don't burn bridges, I kind of like, let's see where this is going, maybe because I learned my lesson when I received a, a message like that from someone in Kenya, and I was like, I'm tired of, of these kind of messages. Let me play with this one. And so I was playing with this one, and it turned out to be a legit, <laughs> a legit um, opportunity to go onto TV, which uh, eventually I did take, and I'm on Kenyan TV because of it. So, you know, I realized, okay, let's, um, let's just be open to, maybe God will use this, you know. But anyway, so, like, I know that there's a lot of persecution in Pakistan at the moment, and uh, I've seen pictures of them burning down churches, and, and uh, there's, there's terrible things going on at the moment, so I thought, let me just check out what's happening, here. knowing that this person could be sitting in the USA, you know. We don't know where they are. And um, I was chatting to them, and they said, you know, they're a Christian, can I help them get out of their country? They want to come anywhere else. And I said, uh, you know, I understand it's difficult and stuff like that. What's your church doing, you know, kind of for the, the, the Christians in the community? And how are you managing? He says, because there's no work and all of this kind of stuff. And it's difficult to get food. And so I was like, okay, so what's happening on the ground? And I googled the, 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 the name of the town. And I looked and it's very remote and it's very Muslim. So I was like, you know, tell me about what's going on. And, um, and he said, yeah, I can tell you, but um, we're not allowed to show pictures of it. Because, you know, parent, that his... Um, pastor doesn't think it's uh, honorable to God to take pictures of people being helped. And I was like, okay, that's interesting, but, um, you know, so tell me what's happening. He says, then he identified as a certain denomination, so I'm unsure if he's actually truly saved based on that, if he's in a church or in, in that specific church or if he's genuinely Christian. So I started sharing the gospel with him, and then he's like, but can you help me get out of the country? And I said, you're not going to like what I have to say, but... We can support you, we can encourage you, we can uh, 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 even find a way maybe to find a, a safe zone and have a, a conference in a sense of, even if it's quite on the quiet, to, to encourage the believers and to strengthen them and to equip them or something. But it's not God's will for you to leave. Why would He want to take the light out of the darkness? You're called to pray for those that are persecuting you and try and reach them. And I said, I know I'm not there, but according to the Word, that's what God's will is for you. So I was like, I can't help you with that, but I can help you by encouraging you, <laughs> sending you some things to strengthen you, praying for you. You know, we can even look at, I don't know how you'd get money to a place like that, but you know, we can, we can talk. And um, he understood and I encouraged him a bit and the conversation went further. But our Christian, as Christians, often our worldview and approach to challenges is, God, take me out of this. 
Okay, now our worldview must be this isn't because of God, and God didn't cause this, but our worldview mustn't be I really just want a comfortable life. It can be a desire, but it shouldn't be our expectation <laughs> because it's not going to happen. In this world, you will have trouble, and uh, Paul even wrote to Timothy and said, All those who live godly or shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And so it's not going to be easy if you're trying to live for God. Okay? But there's two things that happen in challenging situations now that I've got your attention. And that is that we have a lack of peace and we also can experience fear. Okay? So now I know that uh, many people are going through challenging circumstances even in the room. And uh, one of the major things that we experience is fear. So we need to know how to deal with fear. I said this last week at the end. That whilst we're waiting for breakthrough, whilst we're waiting for a miracle, we need to make sure we're protecting our hearts and dealing with fear. Otherwise, fear will deal with us. Okay? Because when we fear, this is, this is something we don't want to know. This is something we don't want to hear often. When we're fearing, whatever, you know, if you're, like maybe you're sick and you're fearing that you're going to die. Uh, maybe... I don't know what situation. Like you're fearing that it's just not going to work out. And you're fearing that you're going to end up lonely. You're fearing whatever the case is. Um, it's actually uh, causing you not to operate in faith. Because it's going in two opposite directions. You can either be in fear or you can be in faith. But you can't be in both. And I know that a lot of us have heard some, some good teaching on that. And so stick with me because... There's a few more things that you have to know about that. It's not just about trying to ignore the fear or push the fear away and try and get into faith. That's not Christianity. Okay? I hope that you heard that. As a Christian, you're not trying to get into faith. Ever. And so that song, give me more faith, forget about it, delete it, don't sing it. Okay? You can't, God can't give you more faith. Okay? And the other thing is that God can't take away your fear. That's why something we often pray as well. God, just take this fear from me. Okay? It can't work like that. So I hope tonight I'm going to re-educate you on this issue so that you don't uh, 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 waste your words. <laughs> because a prayer like that is just wasting your breath. It's, it, God sees your heart, but um, as we mature, we need to start adjusting our words to match the truth. God can't take your fear away. Okay? Fear, yeah, um, I'll say this statement first. For you as a believer, as a Christian, true believers, it's very difficult for a true believer to be in fear. Now, let me just say, I know that someone's saying, but I've got fear in my life. Am I a Christian? I'm not, oh, I don't want you to question your salvation. Okay? It might just mean that uh, you are a true Christian, you're born again, but you just aren't aware of this part of your... Um, uh, who you are that you can actually live in a place and you, you, you've conditioned yourself to say yes to fear so many times that you live in fear and not in faith. But it's very difficult for a Christian to live in, in, in unbelief or fear. When we're feeling fearful, it's really only because our attention is in the wrong place. So if you've got fear this evening and you're struggling with fear, I encourage you to even write down, like, what am I focused on? And consider that. What am I focused on? We're going to finish off with that tonight, okay? And we're going to come back to that. But uh, in the New Testament, throughout the Gospels, now, let me say this. It's a nice thing. I'm trying to figure out how to explain this. 
I've had many people tell me, like, since I can remember, uh, 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 that, you know, 365 times in the Bible, God says, do not fear. Okay? It's true. Okay? And it is true that you can take 365 days in the year, you can say that once a day. There's a, God said it for every day of the year because there's never a time when we should uh, not fear. That's true. Okay? But I will say, that's a very low-level kind of faith. That's a very low-level kind of faith. And you shouldn't be trying to not fear. That's a focus on the wrong thing. Don't you see that? Yeah. Do not fear. Yes, it was necessary for God to say that or through people, through angels. And, and, and Jesus even said that a couple times. Okay? We'll look at an example of that. Luke chapter 8. We see this throughout the Gospels. This is just one example. Jesus continually telling people not to give into fear. Okay? He says here in Luke 8, uh, 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Do not be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. So this is in the context of healing. And it's saying, don't fear, only believe and healing will come. That's the principle in that is still true for us today. But I'm going to take it deeper there. Okay, first of all, we need to see faith uh, or fear is, is like faith, but in the negative. So it's like reverse in your car. It's not going forward, right? It's the opposite. <laughs> okay, that's a very simple ex example, but I'm glad um, Edelweiss enjoyed that. So when we, when we need supernatural results, we need to operate according to our new operating system, which is faith. Okay, so if when you when you're needing supernatural results, you're operating by fear, it's not going to accomplish what you think it should accomplish or what the word says it should accomplish. Yes, we mustn't give into fear. Okay, but one of the reasons so many believers and even you might be riddled with fear, especially in a crisis, especially in a crisis, is simply because your focus is on the wrong thing. And what I'll say, that thing is, is that you're not focused on truth, you're focused in on the situation. Which isn't a lie, but it's not the truth. Okay? Fear, in the, uh, or fearing the worst case scenario. You know how people do that. Now there's a situation and all of a sudden you're fearing the worst case scenario. I know we don't do that, but, but lots of people do that. You know what I'm talking about. So it's like a... a, a you all of a sudden have a, a pain in your eye and you f all of a sudden feel I'm going to go completely blind. Like, you, you, worst case scenario. Or, this must be a, a tumor and I'm going to die. You know, you kind of like, it's just something you need a panado for maybe. But it's like, you, you can't, people go to the worst case scenario. What is that? It's believing for the worst case scenario. <laughs> you, you, you're trusting for, like, like you're putting yourself in the wrong direction. Okay. Faith releases the supernatural power of God. Fear stifles it. Fear stifles it. So, let me ask you a question so that you can get focused now. <laughs> Since maybe you started thinking worst case scenario. Um, what event in the Bible changed everything? Jesus. Death, burial, resurrection. Amen? Okay. I'm going to say this. Stick with me. Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 didn't change everything. The death, the burial, and the resurrection changed everything. Okay? The, the white page in our Bible which says the New Testament of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is not inspired. 
It was put in there just to make a division in the Bible. Okay? So that we can see where, where the, the, the divide of history is for us when we're studying the Bible. But what I want you to see is what changed everything was death, burial, and resurrection. So when we're studying the Gospels, we have to take into account and look at who is Jesus talking to. And, you know, he, he's talking to an, a person who's not born again. He's talking to a person who doesn't have his spirit living in that person. Do you know how I know? Because Jesus is standing there, <laughs> talking to the person. So how can his spirit be in the person that he's talking to? It's, it's impossible. Okay, so Jesus had to die, be buried, according to the scriptures, and be raised from the dead, and then he could come and dwell in mankind. Anyone who would receive him, in the believer. That changed everything. Amen? Amen? So the Old Testament looked forward to His death, His burial, and His resurrection. And then after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, you go look at it. Fear is not such a big issue anymore in the Scriptures. The New Testament letters, it's not such a big issue anymore. It's quite an, I, 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 it struck me while I was preparing. I was like, I haven't seen it like this before. <laughs> Fear is not such a big topic anymore. It's mentioned, and we'll get into some of those verses just now, but it's not such a big issue anymore. <clears throat> now, there are different types of fear. When you're studying the Word, you need to kind of consider that. It talks about fear of man in, t in terms of terror. It talks about fear of evil in, in, in a sense of terror. It talks about fear <clears throat> of God, which is reverence. Okay, so there's different kinds of fear. Okay, so when you're looking at the verses to check me out, make sure you kind of consider what is this kind of fear that's going on here. Okay, so now let's, let's uh, kind of see the transition. Okay, what caused the transition? Jesus. Death, burial, resurrection. Okay, it wasn't his birth, it was death, burial, resurrection. Okay, there had to be a birth for a death, real, re, uh, death burial, and a resurrection. But it was that that, 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 that um, changed everything. Okay, so we're going to look around that scenario, around that situation. Mark chapter 14, verse 50. Let's look at these guys who spent three years walking with Jesus, receiving His teaching, seeing the miracles. Uh, they themselves prayed for people. They preached the gospel. They saw miracles. They saw demons coming out of people. All sorts of things. And then look what the Bible says about them. They all forsook Him and fled. Okay. So that is the unbeliever. <laughs> Meaning that, uh, they were believers in Christ, but they weren't yet uh, regenerated. They didn't have new life yet. Okay? Another exciting one. John chapter 18, 25 to 27. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said unto him, now Jesus is arrested at this time, says, um, you, are not also, are you, sorry, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it. How long has he been with Jesus? Three years. R roughly three years. Okay. He saw on a, on a hill, he saw Jesus, Moses, Abraham. He saw, he saw Jesus interacting with dead people. Okay, I'm, I'm, uh, it sounds horrible when I put it like that. He saw the Mount of Transfiguration. It sounds better. Okay, so let's speak Bible. He saw the Mount of Transfiguration with the old saints appearing to Jesus. He saw them uh, fellowshipping together. 
Okay? He heard the voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son. He, he, he experienced the supernatural. He, he was part of the previous group that forsook. But then at the same time, he also denied Jesus. How many times? Three times. Okay? And it says, I am, he says, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off. Now, unless you, just in case you don't know the story, when Jesus is arrested in the garden, Peter's the guy who picks up his sword to try and defend Jesus when Jesus is being arrested and he cuts off the ear of the soldier and Jesus says, put your sword away, we don't do that. And he reattaches the man's ear and it's instantly healed. Mir miracle. Okay? Often, you know what happens? Peter was operating out of fear. Fear will always cause us to go in extremes. Fear will cause us to go to extremes. Okay? So look, 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 uh, look what he says here. It says, um, one of the servants of the high priest, a relative, so now this is the relative of the guy whose ear was cut off. He says to him, did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter denied him again, and immediately the rooster crowed. Okay? So now we see Peter, the coward. And then look at Acts chapter 2. This is after the death, the burial, the resurrection, and now the, the descension, if you want to call it Pentecost. The Spirit of God has come and is now indwelling the believers. And look what, what happens. Peter, he's just been uh, shundying. The Holy Spirit came on them and now all the believers, including Peter, are praying in tongues. Okay? And now they've got 3,000, maybe more, people standing in the streets looking at them going what are these people doing are they drunk okay but what the, what was happening they were being filled with the spirit of god okay and what was happening in that moment like these are the same people in the streets by the way who were shouting crucifying okay so they they knew the whole story now they see the disciples and peter what the coward stands up and it says Standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. So now he's got some guts. Now he's bold. Now he's going for it. And you know what's even more interesting? If you read the rest of his sermon, he even says, You killed Jesus. And God made him Lord and Christ, Messiah. He's saying he's the Messiah that, that came. And so he's kind of like not holding back at all. Why? Because he's not fearful. Now there's no fear in him. You know, uh, uh, um, what's it? Proverbs, I think, 18 verse 1. Ten, prophesies in a way of this. And says, the righteous are as bold as a lion. So now all of a sudden, he's the righteousness of God. He's got the boldness of a lion. And he goes, hey, it was your fault. But it worked out for our good. <laughs> and so now he starts to preach the gospel to them. So let's get back to us. The reason why we fear is because we identify, if you want to say it like this, let's look at Peter. We identify with Peter before conversion. You're identifying with uh, Jamie before conversion. You're identifying with Chris before conversion. Let, let, let me put it like this. You're identifying with the old man. You're identifying with Adam and not Christ. And that's the biggest problem for believers is we're more familiar with Adam than we are Jesus. Okay? And I mean, if you think about Adam and Eve back in the garden, 
This is where insecurity and fear was born. Okay? What did God say to them? Hey, why were you hiding? What did they say? We realized we were naked, and so we were afraid, and we hid. So, all of a sudden, insecurity comes in. Fear comes in, and now they're ruled by these things. Okay? We mustn't allow ourselves to be ruled by these things. Because as believers, as Christians, we're not just mere people with a new set of philosophy and ideology and belief system. Okay? As, as Christians, we, it's not just like a, a, a religious practice. It's, it's life. It's the Spirit of God dwelling in us for eternity. We're one with Him. Okay? So this is something we've looked at a couple for the last two weeks as well. But let's, uh, let's dig into this a little bit because now we need to see we are born again. That means new birth. We were reborn. It's not just, uh, okay, let me, I'll, I'll be a Christian. It's a case of, I believe in this gospel. I believe that God, uh, uh, um, I believe that Jesus died for my sin and was raised to new life to make me right with Him. I believe this, and now I receive His life. I declare Jesus is Lord. He, he is Lord, I receive this life. And what does it do? It changes you. You're no longer dead in sin, like the Bible says. You're alive in Christ. You're no longer a child of the devil or wrath. You're a child of God. Okay? It's a big change. 1 Peter 1, 3, uh, 23. It says, Being born again, King James, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So I want to look at that King James version first. It says, basically, that we're born again through the Word of God. What is the Word of God? It's not the Bible. The Word of God is contained in the Bible. The Word of God is the Gospel. It's the message of salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So that is what gets us born again. 1 Peter, 2, uh, 1 Peter 1, 23 in the Living Bible says, For you have a new life. It was not passed on to you from your parents. For the life they gave you will fade away. This new one will last forever, for it comes from Christ, God's ever-living message to men. Okay, so this is, this, you look at that and you're like, wow. There has to be something different about a believer, about a Christian. Okay? It's not just a new box to tick. It's not just a, you know, my fire insurance. It's a, I'm one with God for eternity. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So this is showing us that as soon as we believed this message, the Word of God, the Gospel, we were now sealed with the Holy Spirit. He came to dwell in us for eternity. So that means you're full of God. Can someone look up for me? 1 John 4 verse 4. You might be able to quote it, but someone look it up for me. And I'm going to ask you to read it from wherever you are. But there's also verses about us being temples of the Holy Spirit. We looked at that last week. Temp you're a temple of the Holy Ghost. He lives in you. Okay, so now if we think about that, I mean, think about a house which has got someone living in it. Okay? Wherever you live, you've got, you live there. That's your place, your dwelling place. Okay? It's, it's, um, it, if there's no one in there, it's, 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 what is the purpose of it? You know, it's just, it's just 
dead almost. But now you're there, there's life in it. Look at a, 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 a Christian like that. Look at a person like that. A person without the Spirit of God is empty. They're just existing. But someone who's got the Spirit of God living in them, it's like the lights are, home, are on in everybody's home. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. Do you want to read it for us? You are God, and they never overcome them. Because He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. Okay, so, God in you is greater than anything in the world. So whatever you're facing is in the world, right? Whatever challenge is coming against you, even if it's from the devil, it's in this world right now. Okay, whether it be supernatural or natural, it's in this world and you're bigger than it. Why? Because you've got a big God in you. So now let's look at this, 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 this logically in terms of all the verses we've looked at. We've been set up to live supernaturally. We've been set up to live supernaturally. God isn't scared of anything. Amen? God isn't fearful of anything. If anything, fear is scared of God. Now this God lives in you, so fear is scared of you because of who you've become. I mean, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 6.17, the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. So that now, you're so one with God that there's no place, there's no place for fear as long as you're focusing on that reality now. Okay? I mean, if we have this perspective of I'm one with Him, then um, how could we fear anything? How could you be scared of whatever you're scared of as long as you're aware of your union with Christ, your oneness with Him, which will never change, it's for eternity. And as long as you're focused on that, like, if you believe that, it, it, it should change you completely and give you boldness and all sorts of things. You know, Marna uh, <clears throat> was ministering somewhere recently and she, she was telling me about this one lady that she was ministering to uh, in the meeting. And um, the, the, the lady was saying how um, her, her son was having some troubles and, you know, uh, he's, he's getting into some stuff that he, he shouldn't get into. And, um, you know, it's kind of like a, it's a hectic situation and it's back and forth and she doesn't know what else to do but pray for him. And she's just freaked out about the situation. And Magna, you know, because he's getting into stuff that's, you could say, evil. And so Magna was ministering to... Magna's my wife, for those of you who don't know. But Magna's now ministering to, to, um, uh, to this lady, and she just felt like to say, you know that, at least... I just want to encourage you with this. And she said, you know, the one thing you can know for sure is that if he's received Christ, which you've said he has, then his salvation is secure, even though he's making some mistakes now. And so... When you're praying for him, just be assured of that so that it can give you peace. And all of a sudden you can see everything change. And she said, I've been so fearful that he's lost his salvation. And then Magna started ministering to her on that. And that changed the whole way she's been now able to pray about it. Because now there's no fear in there. Okay? That, that's powerful. Your, your union with Christ means you've been fused together with him. His life has become your life. Okay, nothing and no one can ever separate that, that fusion that's taken place of you and him. You're so close and one with him that we, you know, that you can't separate yourself from him again. <clears throat> Salvation or eternal life is this union with him. 
You know, if you, a lot of Christians tend to see Christianity as an, another opportunity or let's try this harder, let's go in a different direction. It's not. You were dead and now you're alive. It's completely new life. And that new life does give you new direction, but the new direction doesn't give you new life. The new life gives you new direction. Okay? So when we aren't experiencing the life of Jesus, when we're not experiencing His love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and when we're not experiencing His power, we tend to, to get into extremes of legalism and carnality. We get into legalism and carnality. One of the, the questions that we respond with is, what must I do? What am I not doing that, that I should be doing? And I mean, that's a natural thing to think about because we, we want to know so we can fix the situation. Okay? The answer is in Hebrews chapter 12. Can anyone guess what it is? Hebrews chapter 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Verse 2, I think. We need, we need to be aware and conscious of Jesus more than of our problem. When you're focused on our problem, we want to be Bob the Builder. Can he fix it? Yes, he can, but he can't fix this situation. You know, so then we have to kind of step back and go, okay, Jesus can fix it, so let me not try and figure this out and try and make it work. I'm going to rely on Jesus. Jesus, and, and it's not wrong to say, am I missing something? Is there something that I need to do? But what we need to do in that situation is make sure that we're actually putting our trust in Him and not in what I need to do. Now, I actually felt this word during a, a worship that came through Isaiah 46 in there. And it's basically, the, 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 the paragraph, I'm not going to read it, it's basically saying, idols cannot save man. Idols cannot save man. And I knew that that was something that God wanted to put in this message because I, I realized, like, so often as Christians even, we have idols that we think are going to save us from our, our horrible situation. And we don't know that they're idols because we've dressed them up in Christianity. And so we think, hey, it's not wrong for me to... Now I'm going to pick on everyone's favorite things. It's just horrible. I'm sorry. But it's like I, an idol could be just continuously you know, trusting that if I get Etienne to pray for me, it's going to, I'm going to get healed. But the thing is, it's like, yes, God wants me to, to, to rely on the body of Christ and ask the body of Christ to pray with you. Yeah, he, he designed it like that. He set it up that our miracles are in the body. The body needs to minister to each other. But when we're looking at I'm nothing, I don't have it, someone else has got it. You're going to, to, to Etienne and saying, Etienne, would you pray with me? Or someone else. Going to, to, to anybody else and saying, would you pray with me? Even the, 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 someone that you think is the sorriest saint. You know, going to them would be humility. It would be humility. But if I go, I, I don't know, God will not going to do it. Why would I bother asking God will for prayer? You know, it, it, that, that kind of is, is putting myself in a place of pride. And the word says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So I need to humble myself and say, hey, anybody who wants to lay hands, come. <laughs> you know, not really, but you know what I'm saying. I've got to be willing to do that, okay? Because the, the thing is, is we put our trust in these idols. Yeah, that, that paragraph there talks about how they've made these idols 
and they carry it on their shoulders and they're celebrating these idols and these idols can't do anything for them. And that's what we tend to do. One of the biggest idols in the body of Christ is something like communion. We think it's going to heal us. You know, we put all of these things in place. Like, I think my giving is going to get my miracle. And so, you know, I've been in meetings. They give you an envelope and you need to write your miracle on it that you want and put your money in and put it in the thing. We're going to do that just now, don't worry. <laughs> Lucas, can you get the envelope? <laughs> yeah, like, we tend, like, these are all idols. Christianity is direct access to God. It's important, like someone questioned me the other day, oh no, I don't see the validity for church like it is. Like for one person to stand up and, and, and speak. Like, like the, surely we should all just be living you know, in our relationship with God. And I was like, um, if you look at the word, in the book of Acts, there is a precedent for us to do what we're doing. And it seemed like they forgot that there was a book of Acts and all of a sudden remembered it. <laughs> There's a precedent for us to do this. Okay? There's a precedent for us to do this. It's important for us to do this. Okay? But it cannot be an idol. This isn't for you to connect with God. This is for you to connect with each other and me. We come to church not to connect with God. Some of you are coming to connect with God because you have a poor relationship with Him. But that's your fault, not His. You know, you can have an amazing relationship with God and come to church and bless other people with your relationship. That's what God intends, for us to come together and be a blessing. That's why the Word says, if one of you will have a spiritual song, one of you has a, a word of encouragement, and this and that, the next thing is like, we need to come together and share these things. Okay? So we make idols in the church, and we think that they're going to give us our miracle, our breakthrough. And then you're like, um, if I just... Dot, dot, dot. Let's not go through the others. <laughs> Our problem isn't so much our efforts and actions and all of that kind of stuff. You know what our problem is? We don't know who we are. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writes to the church of Ephesus, and I've taught this many times here, but he, he writes to us. And he says, hey, I'm praying that you would have a revelation of who you are. That your eyes would be opened and you would see who you are. See what you have. That's the problem with us as Christians. Not fear. Fear is a problem because we don't know who we are. Fear is an identity issue. So now if I'm focused on I mustn't fear, and I'm looking at all the do not fear scriptures from Genesis to Malachi, it's a waste of time. Even it's through the Gospels. Jesus is saying, do not fear, only believe and you will be healed. It's a separation uh, problem. You're seeing Jesus as separate from you. Talking to you separate from you and saying just believe in me. Believe in me and Christ in me. That's the thing we spoke about last week. Our problem is, is that our lives aren't rooted in our identity in Christ. And you might say but I know all the identity in Christ scriptures. But how has that impacted your heart? Do you feel it yet? We don't go by our feelings ever. But if what you believe doesn't impact your emotions, there's a problem. The problem isn't with God, obviously. Okay, so what are you filling your heart with? What are you focused in on? We looked at this last week. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, 2, and 3. Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, 
Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Verse 1 is powerful. Verse 2 is awesome. Verse 3 is great. 4 as well and all that. But, but I just want to show you this one thing. As Christians, we've identified with Christ. Okay? I, that, that's the picture of John's baptism. I've died with Christ and I've been raised with Christ to a new life. I've died, it's like being buried, and now I've been raised up to a new life. As Christians, we identify with Christ's death and resurrection, and that's changed everything. And now, as He is, so are we in this world. As He is, so are we in this world. We looked at that verse last week too. So what does that mean? Look at this verse. He's been raised to a new life. I've been raised to a new life with Him. Okay, He sits in a place of honor at God's right hand. I'm in Christ, seated. Ephesians tells us this. Seated in heavenly places. You know what that verse is saying? That fact that you're seated with Christ in heavenly places is talking about authority. You are seated in a place of authority. This verse is encouraging us to think about these things. Think about the fact that you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's in Ephesians 2, I think 6 verse. But it's saying, hey, think about your new realities as a Christian. The fact that you've got authority because you're in Christ. We approach healing and uh, miracles and things like this in carnality because we're like, we're approaching it with, from a place of our authority, not Christ's authority. Why do I say that? Because we think that in order to get a blessing from God, a miracle, a healing or whatever, I need to make sure I've repented. I've fasted. I've said sorry for this. I've dealt with that in my heart, in my life. There's all sorts of things that we kind of think I need to be perfect in order to receive. You're going to fail because you'll never be perfect. We shouldn't be relying on our holiness. We rely on His holiness. Thank you, Jesus, you did it for me. And yes, I, I want to live the best life I can for you, but thank you that my blessing is not dependent on that. Amen? Because then we'd all be doomed. So, verse 2, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. You know, the, 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 the passion is saying there, um, uh, what is it? Feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities, not the distractions of the natural realm. So don't be distracted by what you naturally see, but focusing on heavenly realities. What is a heavenly reality? You're seated with Christ in heavenly places, which means you've got authority. So it goes back to the second song we did in worship, about how now we can speak to the mountains and tell them to go. Which means we can also say, hey, I'm not going to tolerate the things that give me fear. I'm bigger than them. So we need to focus in on the, the spiritual realities and we'll have believer results. We'll have Jesus results. If we're focused in on the natural reality, we're going to have natural results. So what do we focus on? This is walking in the Spirit. This is renewing your mind like it says in uh, what's it, Romans chapter 12, verse uh, 2. Okay, This is what we renew our minds to. Heavenly realities. Here's a heavenly reality. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, 27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So a heavenly reality is, I'm one with Christ. 
The heavenly reality is, I'm one with Christ. So the next slide there, please, Lucas, is what we need to be focusing in on is Christ in me. You've got to focus on Christ in you, not me. Okay? So we focus in on, I'm one with Christ. He is my wisdom. He is my healer. He is my strength. He is my life. He is my victory. And whatever else you want to put in there. I just chose those few. So you know what, we, what we're doing is we're saying, thank you, Jesus, that I'm one with wisdom. I'm one with healing. I'm one with strength. I'm one with life. I'm one with victory. And this has got to be something that we're meditating on and focused in on if we're wanting to see good results in our lives. Okay? Doesn't, good results, let me change that. Believer results don't happen by accident. They don't happen because Jesus loves you. Jesus loves the world, the whole world, everyone. And good results don't happen. Believer results don't happen for everyone. So we now know that the blessing of God isn't because God loves you. So someone experiencing good things, favor, healing, blessings, whatever, it's not because God loves them. Okay? Because God loves the person sleeping under a bridge. God loves the person who's addicted to heroin. He loves all of those people. But the problem is they haven't given their attention and focus to Him. Okay? For God so loved the world that He gave Jesus. That whosoever believes in Him. You know that believes in Him is talking about us giving our attention to Him. So God gave His attention to the world through Jesus. And we, in response, give our attention to Him. A lot of Christians are, have received Christ, are born again got their fire insurance, but they haven't given their attention to Him. They still haven't given it. They're distracted, like that other verse says, distracted with natural things. So here are some new creation realities to focus on with regards to fear. 1 John 4 verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. How many of you like being tormented? If you do, we'll pray for you. I'm sure there might be someone. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, we're born of God. Amen? The believer is born of God. Okay? God is love. So, if you're born of God, you're born of love. Love is now your DNA. Love is your DNA. So now... There's no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. You need to be, you know, this context is talking about judgment. The context of this is talking about punishment and, and eternal damnation. Okay, so as a believer, you don't have to be fearful of eternal damnation because of God's love for you. Because you've received it. Because you've been made perfect in love. Okay? Not because of your love for God, but because of His love for you. Look at... Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 15. You didn't receive the spirit of bondage. Spirit of bondage is talking about religious duty or legalism. You didn't receive the spirit of bondage, religious duty and legalism. Again to fear. So religious duty and legalism results in fear. So if you're in fear, maybe you need to consider that you might be in legalism or fear. Uh, or or um, what's the other one? Bondage of uh, religious duty. Maybe you feel you're trapped in some kind of religious duty or in legalism. 
but you received. Yeah, that, that, let me just say this. That, that, that line, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, is, is also talking about when you don't feel good enough. You feel like you don't measure up. You've got the spirit of sonship. You've got the spirit of sonship. You've got the, the spirit of God living in you. He's his child now. That means you're 100% righteous. You're right with God. Okay? So let's read the rest of that verse. But you've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit of adoption. His spirits come to dwell in you. And as a result, you can call God Father. Look at this one. 1 Peter 3, verse 13 to 15. Living Bible first. Usually no one will hurt you for wanting to do good. Usually. But even if they should, you are to be envied. For God will reward you for it. Isn't that awesome? Quietly trust yourself to Christ, your Lord. And if anybody asks why you believe as you do, be ready to tell him. And do it in a gentle and respectful way. New King James puts verse 14 like this. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Do not be afraid of their, heart, uh, of their threats, nor be troubled. It's saying, don't fear, because you're, God's looking after you. Do you really believe that God's looking after you? Do you really, really believe that He's looking after you? Okay, look at Hebrews 13, 15 to 6. Let your conduct, your lifestyle, be without covetousness. Don't keep wishing for what you don't have. Don't keep wanting stuff. Be content with such things as you have. What do you have? What should you be content with? He answers it and He says Himself, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What should you be content with? What you have. What do you have? Jesus. It's not saying be content with your horrible work situation and just people treating you badly and whatever. Yes, there's a contentment that you should maybe experience and, and shine for Jesus, whatever. But find a better job. Okay? Not because, not because you, you, you're running away, but because you know your value. Okay? And if you feel God's calling you to be there, then you'll have a smile about it, I'm sure. Okay? So don't stay there and suffer unless you really believe God's called you there. And then you'll be strong and then you'll have the right focus and it'll work. And it will work. Meaning your face will be happy. Okay? But look there. It says, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So why shouldn't I fear? According to that verse. The Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? Because God is my helper. Now, let me just throw this in for free. Because this is really exciting for me. The word helper links back to Genesis. Whereas the prophecy came forth about the Holy Spirit. When God said, it is not good for man to be alone. He wasn't talking about marriage. It's okay to be single. We glorify marriage in the church. We glorify marriage in the church and we make it seem like it's the be-all and end-all. It was a prophecy about the Holy Spirit. Genesis chapter 1, 2 and 3 are very full of the gospel. But that's not what we're talking about tonight. Maybe you come back another time. I won't tell you when and we'll do it. Then you have to come back every week. Anyway, <laughs> the, the gospel is there and he's saying it's not good for man to be alone. I will make 
a helper, suitable for him. My wife isn't helping me right now, except that she's helping me with responsibilities of the boys. When I travel, I need a lot of help, and she's not always there for me. I love her, she's awesome, she's a great help, but she's not the perfect helper. Sometimes a person can't help you the way you need help, but the Holy Spirit can. Okay? So, your helper is the Holy Spirit. Some of you are going to go rethink marriage now. 1 Peter 5, 6 to 7. If you put a ring on it, it's too late. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. 1 Peter 5, verse 6 to 7 says, Humble yourself, under, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care on Him, for He cares for you. So this is, you know, often we, we're worrying about things, we've, we're carrying burdens and all this type of stuff, and um, it's pride. Because the Word is telling us not to carry it, but to humble ourselves and give it to Jesus, give it to God. So the believer is not supposed to fear the things that we're concerned about often develop fear in our hearts and everything. We're supposed to let those things entrust them to Jesus. Just be like, I'm not going to worry about this. Sometimes you need to do some things and deal with things and whatever, so don't be passive and sit on the couch and wait for something to happen. Sometimes there's, there's wisdom in that you need to do something. But, okay, what I'm saying is like entrust the results to Jesus. 2, Peter, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 New King James says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. TPT says, For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. I added that, the, the Passion Version in there because when I looked up the Greek word for power in the King James, it's dunamis, which is Holy Spirit. So it's not saying you've got an attitude of power. It's saying you've got the Holy Spirit of power now in you. He hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Who had the spirit of fear? Adam. Everyone after Adam. They were ruled by fear. You are not. You are ruled by the Holy Spirit, dunamis, which is dynamite, the power of God living in you. You're ruled by that. And that is power, that is love, which casts out all fear, and that is a sound mind. Meaning, you don't have to be crazy and think about everything all at once. You can think about what you need to think about now and make the decisions with a sound mind. Amen? Amen. So fear of God is reverence. Fear of God is reverence in the sense of, I, I, I believe God because He's God. Fear of God is reverence in it. He is God and I am not. Fear of God is like, he, 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 he tells me what to do and I don't do it because I'm scared of Him, but I do it because I love Him and I honor Him and I've got a respect for Him and He saved me, so I reverence Him. I treat Him as sacred and holy because He is. That, that's a healthy fear of God. Did you know that fear of God deals with fear of man? Fear of man as in terror. <laughs> if, you, if you've got a healthy fear of God, you will not be scared of anyone. That's why so many Christians throughout the ages have been able to stand in the, the Circus Maximus, stand in uh, the Colosseum, stand anywhere else in Pakistan now and go, I'm not renouncing my faith. Go for it. And they, they stand still while the lion runs to them and starts eating them alive. 
They don't move. They don't. Why must I run? I'm not scared of you. I've got a healthy fear of God. That's the kind of boldness that knowing who you are in Christ, what, what it can do for you. Last verse, Philippians 4, 4 to 8. I've got the NLT here. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I will say it again. Only when your life is empty of circumstances that trouble you, you can be full of joy. <laughs> That's how a lot of us live, right? That's not what the verse says. The verse says, always be full of joy. What joy is that? Joy about your life? No. It's joy about your new life. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Not the joy of your life. The joy of your circumstances. The joy of your job. The joy of your spouse. The joy of your bank account. The joy of your health. It's the joy of the Lord which is eternal. He is the strength of your life. Okay? Let everyone see that you are considerate to, uh, in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming. Don't worry about anything. That's also saying don't fear in a way. Don't worry. Don't be fearful about anything. So how much are we allowed to fear? <laughs> Nothing. But here's the thing. Remember, you've exchanged the spirit of fear for a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. You don't have the natural tendency to fear anymore. It's not who you are. But you still mustn't give in to that. You still must, you, we are not sinners saved by grace. Amen? We are saints who sin sometimes. There's a difference. Okay? We're saints who sin sometimes, but we're not sinners saved by grace. We were sinners, we got saved by grace, and now the more we renew our mind, the less we sin. Okay? It's the same thing here. Okay? Uh, uh, Verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about anything. It's telling you have relationship with God. Then, verse 7, you will experience God's peace. I'm cutting through some stuff here to get to something. Verse 8, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellently, excellent and worthy of praise. He's helping us know how can we live a life of peace and experience peace amidst turmoil, how can we experience uh, uh, the joy of the Lord no matter what? It's focus on things that are, fix your thoughts on true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Okay? Your house might be lovely. Your car might be wonderful. Your uh, spouse might be honorable. Your dog might be pure. I don't know. You know, you, we, we, we often kind of think about things. Like, let me think on good things. You know that this is what the unbeliever, this is what uh, 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 mysticism can do. This is what a Buddha can do for you as well. And he's dead. Uh, this is what all these different religions can do for you. They can do this for you. Okay? Just think about good thoughts right now. It's not going to help, help you eternally to think good things. Okay? This isn't saying think about how awesome a relationship you have with your father or your mother or your spouse or your children. All of that can go in a moment. We can have a tsunami come crashing over us all right now and all of our houses are gone. Except mine, it's on the top of the hill. <laughs> the point is, it's like everything can go wrong in your life in one moment and you lose everything. So then what do you fix your mind on? Thank you, Lord, for this lovely bridge that's keeping me warm. <laughs> no. It goes back to that other verse. Be content with what you have. What do you have? 
Jesus, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So it's like everything around us can go to hell, can go horrible, can go pear-shaped, but I'm one with Him. I told you this last week, I think, where I can't even remember where this came from, but someone uh, uh, was talking to uh, um, an unbeliever, I don't know what, uh, what faith of religion they were, but they gave them a New Testament and said, read this, and, and they read through it, and he said, okay, so as a whatever religion you are, what was the most... What, what is the standout thing for you about Christianity? What stood out for you about Christianity? And they said that your God dwells in you. He lives in you. And that's the thing most Christians never focus on. <laughs> We're focused in on I've got favor with God. I've got favor with man. I, I, you know, I'm blessed. But we, we, what are we blessed with? Our union with Him. So what are you focused on? What are you, what are you thinking about? You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, the gospel. Fear also comes by hearing. Most Christians are not hearing the right thing. We're not focused on the right thing. And then fear will cause us to stumble. Fear will cause us to trip up and not receive what we, we, what we need in terms of a miracle or a healing or a whatever. Because we're focused in on what if it doesn't happen. But God is saying, hey, focus on me in you. Don't focus on what if it could happen. Don't focus on what if it couldn't happen. Focus in on me. I'm one with the healer. Can you put that slide up again? The, 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 the one with I'm one with Christ and whatever. So we need to be focused in on our Christ in us. He is our wisdom. He is our healer. He is our strength. He is our life. He is our victory. That's what we focus on. That's what we renew our minds to. That's what causes us to reign. Because if that's our default mentality, then that becomes our default life. Because you live according to what you believe. Amen? And I'm not saying that everything in your hap happens in your life is according to what you believe. Because we live in a messed up world. Things happen, bad things happen. And it's not because you believe for it. It's just because you live here. <laughs> okay? It is. Glad you enjoyed that. <laughs> but the, the truth is, is that even when bad things happen, God is with us. Amen. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Amen. Father, I want to thank you. Thank you, Father, that you are with us. Thank you, Father, that you never leave us. You never forsake us. Thank you that we're one with you. Thank you, Father, that no matter what, we can experience victory. We can experience your, uh, your peace that passes all understanding. We can experience joy unspeakable. We can uh, live a life where the pressures and challenges of the world are not getting to us, but we are rising above them and living with a smile, living with joy, because we know that we're, you know, life is for eternity. And these troubles that we experience are not. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. This doesn't mean that we don't fight and, and, and resist sickness. We don't trust for healing. We don't trust for miracles. We do. But it means well, until they, we see it happen, we still have joy. Amen. We still have peace. We still get on with uh, uh, what we're called to. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Jesus. I just, uh, in worship, had a picture of a helicopter lifting up. And I just felt like God saying, 
No matter how bad your situation is, no matter how challenging the circumstances are, no matter how dark things are around you, no matter what the doctor says, no matter what the bank says, no matter what anyone says, just renewing your mind and focusing on who you are in Christ and exercising your authority in the situation, looking unto Him, it causes you to lift off in that situation, to rise up. It doesn't have to be a long process. He's the God of the supernatural. Father, I just thank you that whatever people are facing here right now, whatever we're going through, whatever we're, we're uh, trusting you for, I thank you that you are the answer and we're one with the answer. I thank you that today people step up and step out of fear. Fear of failure, fear of the dark, fear of spiders, <laughs> fear of... Uh, 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 hell, fear of condemnation. Whatever fear is that is represented in this room, I thank you, Father, that that's not part of us anymore. Because we now have a spirit of power. We don't have that spirit which gives us fear. We have the spirit which gives us love and a sound mind. The spirit in us, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Cape Town area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www dot grace life dot c